right. How's everybody doing so far? Awesome. Good. Good to see you all here today. If you're new, uh, if you're new with us, uh, we encourage you to stop at the uh, guest services desk out there in the lobby. We'd love to give you a free gift and uh, some information about our church. And and I'll be out there afterwards too. I'd love to meet you, shake your hand, and uh, find out who you are. So. Uh, if you'd like to respond in worship by giving an offering, um, you can do so by giving, uh, if you brought a physical offering, we have, we have boxes there on the sides of the exits there, you can leave it there. If you'd like to give online, our website is hcchrist.org, hcchrist.org. Click on the giving link and uh, just follow the instructions. I found out, thanks to Lynn Campbell, he called me up or texted me the other day and he said, hey, uh, we don't have the giving link anymore, and that's my fault. I had done some work on the website. It was hidden behind a banner, and uh, so if you'd like to give online now, it's there. That link should be there now. Uh, the text to give was, was available, but the other part was not, so now it should be. Um, thank you for your offerings. Because of your offerings, we were able to do this really nice, improved sound system. I think it sounded great today. What do you guys think? Yeah. It's good stuff. So uh, Lyle heading that up, appreciate that so much, and uh, and it's just wonderful that we can do things like that. I appreciate your offerings. Uh, I got to tell you, you know, it's it's neat uh, to come here and see the fellowship that takes place before the worship service. All of you just hanging out and talking, getting to know each other. It just excites me that we have that kind of atmosphere here. And so that's why we encourage those of you watching online, we're glad you tuned in. We're glad you're here this morning that way, but boy, we'd love to see you here in person to feel that experience of just that fellowship. So keep that up, man. I, I love that. And the other thing I want to say this morning is I am so glad that I get to work with the staff that we have here at HCC. Um, it's just amazing. Every day I look forward to, to seeing them, hanging out with them. And what I really especially love is that I've got a couple of these guys that I can tap and say, you're up. Um, now, this morning, Terry Huber is going to bring our message. And he's had more than a week, I promise you, to, to prepare for this message. Uh, but it's nice that, you know, I can go away, which I was out of town a lot of the week this past week, and I can go out of town and say, okay, Terry, you're up, because I'm going to be out of town, you prepare the message, and be able to depend on them to do it. And this morning, Terry has, I believe, an excellent message for you. I got to read it last week. I got to sit in on, on the first service this morning and listen to it. Take notes. It is especially powerful uh, to know uh, the Holy Spirit in his purpose in our lives. So let's welcome Terry. Terry, come on up. Get ready to be amazed. Thank you, Jeremy. I, uh, I'll move this right here. I, so I made a joke in the first service because Jeremy introduced me and I was like, I'm getting used to Jeremy kind of introducing me whenever I speak like a town crier, kind of like, hear he, hear he. And I, I said, man, I'm not going to do that in the second service. I'm going to keep it fresh. And then when I looked, when I realized I forgot the podium and the stand in there, and then Jeremy's running around trying to figure out a way to shuffle it in, and then has to come up and introduce me, I'm like, man, I could, uh, I could get used to this. But this is, uh, is going to be a great day, great service here. And uh, not, not because I'm up here, but we have... Um, Today we're honoring some of our Ignite Student Ministry seniors. Um, they're moving on, so we're gonna we're gonna save that for the end of the the end of the the uh, service here. But I'm, I'm I'm really excited about that, and I'll tell you so. 
this is actually the last week of our Marvel series. I don't know if you guys know that. That's kind of that's kind of sad. I was uh, I was really enjoying the I really enjoyed the series because when I saw it, I was like, man, this is awesome, right? We we hear the story so much that I think sometimes we tend to lose some of the value of what actually was going on. So in a time where we're uh, fascinated by hero movies and especially Marvel movies, I know I am. I said, let's finally honor Jesus the way he deserves, right? And recognizing him as the greatest superhero that ever lived. Um, Now, I was was even more pumped when I found out that I was going to get to preach in this series because I went through and I could see all the different topics of this series and there's miracles and healing and walking on water. There's a heroic death on the cross and even more heroic resurrection. And then Jeremy said, well, Terry, you get the ascension. And I was like, Man, that's going to be tough, right? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously kidding, but that's, that's sometimes how we look at the ascension, isn't it? Um, when was the last time you heard a sermon on the ascension? Uh, around Easter time, we tend to focus on the, the crucifixion and the resurrection. And that's for great reason, right? Not to take that away from it. I mean, the, the, the crucifixion makes for an amazing sermon. It's a great topic that can draw a crowd in. Uh, As a matter of fact, I've noticed over the past several years, uh, maybe it's just me, maybe I've just kind of haven't been paying attention, but some of these sermons on the crucifixion seem to be getting more and more detailed, Uh, sometimes like disturbingly graphic. And I, you know, so I wonder, and I'm like, is that because we, uh, we hear it so much that that's what needs to get our attention? Maybe it's that we're so desensitized to violence that we need more and more every year to kind of make that a powerful sermon. But either way, it's a dramatic and poignant topic. And we, we talk about that all the time. Same thing with the uh, resurrection, right? The resurrection is a story about God swallowing up death and displaying his omnipotence for the entire world to see. And on Easter, when someone says, uh, he is risen, everyone yells back, he is risen indeed, right? That's exciting. That's a great, that's a great sermon. Uh, but what about, oh, and it's, I'll tell you what, as a matter of fact, Paul says, this isn't in your bulletin or on your slides, but Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 14, that if it wasn't for the resurrection, if Christ had not been resurrected from the dead, then all of this, our entire faith, is a massive waste of time. That's what he tells us. And if you were wondering, that comes from the Terry International Version. Uh, okay, but what about Christ's final miracle here on earth? There's not a lot of attention that's given to the ascension. And if you don't know what that is, that's Christ being lifted back up into the clouds, into heaven from where he came from. Mark mentions it in one verse in his gospel. Luke gives it a few verses. In fairness, he does mention it later on in the book of Acts. Uh, But Matthew and John they don't mention it at all. But regardless of how little it's mentioned or how few, how few sermons we've heard about it, the ascension of Jesus Christ is essential to the Christian faith and more importantly to the body of Christ. That's us. His ascension not only fulfilled prophecy, but it fulfills promises. Let me set the scene for you, okay? Jesus has been risen from the dead. He's appeared to his disciples. He's been kind of hanging around with them. I'm sure you know the stories. He'll appear with them. Then he disappears. They go fishing together. They go camping together. Are we all on the same page? 
All right, now I want to get to the serious stuff. I need to take a poll in the room here uh, and see how many dog owners do we have? How many dog owners do we have? Okay, now that's more like, that's what I expected to see. In first service, I would say 10% of the people raised their hand, so I lost like 90% of the audience at this point. But So I'm sure that we've all noticed with our dogs, at least for, at least for me, that if I'm hanging around the house, if, especially if I like have my shoes on and I'm just kind of kicked back on the couch, my dog has a hard time relaxing. He'll, he'll like go over and lay down and curl up, but every once in a while I'll notice he'll slinking in the room and he'll look, okay, he's still there, right? And then he'll go back and lay back down again. Or especially if I stand up and I walk into the kitchen, I notice my dog, a little Yorkie named Tucker, he'll put his head up. He won't even move. He'll put his head up. He'll follow me into the kitchen. Then he follows me back, right, until I, until I sit back down. Uh, and that's, it's like he knows that I'm there, but he also knows that at some point I'm probably going to leave again. And he doesn't want to miss it. And sometimes I think that that's probably how the disciples felt. Uh, when they saw Jesus after the resurrection, he would keep appearing and then disappearing. And then he would go visit somebody else and then he would come back. Um, so they had to have been thinking every time they saw him, like, hey, he's still here. Awesome. Maybe he changed his mind. Maybe his plans have changed. Or maybe he's actually tried to, he's going to try his hand at politics and restore the kingdom here in Israel. We know he said he wasn't, but maybe he will. But ultimately, Jesus would remain with his disciples for about 40 days. In Acts chapter 1, verse 3, we see that after he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. But Jesus, he did not stay here on this earth in the flesh. That was never God's plan. One thing that is important to remember, it is essential to the Christian faith, is that Jesus Christ died on the cross physically, he rose from the dead physically, and he ascended into heaven physically. In fact, historian Arnold, Arnold Toynbee said, you find the body of Jesus and Christianity crumbles into dust. Without the ascension, Jesus would have continued to live here on the earth forever. But God had a better plan. I believe that the ascension of Christ provides two promises for every single follower of Jesus Christ. One promise is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. The second promise is Christ's second triumphant return, his, his triumphant return sometime in the future, okay? And we could and should marvel at both of these promises, but today we're going to look at the Holy Spirit. I promise we will get to Christ's second return later this summer, okay? I don't want to reveal too much and make Jeremy mad at me about that upcoming series, but I just wanted to give you a little uh, revelation into what might be coming later on, Okay? But, so for, but for today, let's, uh, let's marvel at the promise of his Holy Spirit, okay? Christ's ascension is, into heaven was actually paving the way for this promise to be fulfilled. God had long, long promised his Holy Spirit, but it was not going to happen as long as Jesus was here in the flesh. Here in John 16, verse 7, John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus says, nevertheless, 
I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. He's referring to the Holy Spirit. Now let's identify and realize that there was a condition for them to receive the Holy Spirit. There was a condition for the disciples to receive the Holy Spirit and for us. If you haven't already, go ahead. Now would be a good time. Open up to Acts chapter 1. You can open your Bibles. We're going to be there in Acts 1 for a while, and then we're going to jump into 2 and then in chapter 4. So you can open up there now. But right now we're in Acts 1, verses 4 and 5. Luke tells us that while he was with them, while Jesus was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So the condition was for the disciples to wait. That's, that's all they had to do, just wait. But Jesus did not leave them hanging. He gave them a time and a place. Okay? I'm sure that we've all probably said to somebody or had somebody say to us, make some sort of like vague vague plans. It's annoying, right? If, so if I said, hey, we should, uh, we should get together sometime. Or, we'll do dinner. Right? We've all heard it. You know it doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't hold any water. It's probably kind of annoying. But if I say something like, hey, let's get, uh, let's get dinner sometime. You're like, okay, nah, I'm sure. And I said, how about next Tuesday, six o'clock down here at the old bag of nails? That makes a difference, doesn't it? Now you have some specifics. You have, uh, you have something to hold on to. Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem. There's the place. And he said, it's going to happen in a few days. There's the time. Jesus just assured the fulfillment of not only his promise in John chapter 16, but he assured the fulfillment of the same promise that God's people had been waiting on for centuries. The Old Testament is loaded with this promise. Just look at this one here. This is 600 years before the events that we're reading about here in Acts 1. God says through his prophet Ezekiel in chapter 36, verse 27, he says, I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. After all of the anticipation, Jesus, in a way that only he could do, nails it down and says, hey, it's almost here, just wait and it's yours. Now, obviously, we have the benefit of knowing, uh, we know now what they didn't know then. And Jesus talking about the day of Pentecost. That would be the day that the Holy Spirit would literally come down from heaven and indwell the disciples. And when that happened, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they ran from their hiding spot out into the street and they started preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ boldly. And not only that, but they did it in foreign languages, languages they didn't even know. So that all of the people of that city who came from all over that part of the world could hear the message in their own native tongue. Peter, 
runs straight out and he looks at the crowds and he says, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. That's Acts 2.36. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, crucified both Lord and Christ. That's Peter, the, the man who ran, who denied Christ the night that he was betrayed when he was left to his own strength. He's filled with the Holy Spirit and he immediately runs out to those same people in Jerusalem and says, God has made Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And then verse 37, it says, upon hearing this, the people were cut to their hearts. And they said, brothers, what shall we do? And I hope that most of us here in the Church of Christ sitting in this room know what Peter says next. It's from Acts chapter 2, verse 38. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you turn from your sins and get baptized, you too can be flooded with the Holy Spirit. That's our condition. That's our condition to receive the Spirit. But tell me Jesus wasn't deadly accurate. He said it'll happen in Jerusalem. Check. He said it's going to be in a few days. Check. And he said it'll be for your benefit. Check. While Jesus walked around here on earth, these same crowds shouted, crucify him. But the Holy Spirit comes down. And then the Bible goes on to say that that day, 3,000 people responded and were baptized and joined the disciples' number. Their sins had been removed, and their hearts were immediately filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you've been baptized, you have that same Holy Spirit inside of you today. And if you haven't been baptized and you want that Spirit, today is the day. So how does the Spirit do it? How does the Spirit do it? Really quickly, I promise we'll get through this. Uh, let's look at three, three characteristics of the Holy Spirit. All right, three characteristics of the Holy Spirit. Now, we've spent the last two months in this series looking at, looking at Jesus and, and seeing what he's made of. And we know that Jesus has what it takes to get the job done. He has every characteristic you could possibly think of to do any job that you could possibly think of. But his disciples, I don't know, okay? So, I mean, they, they struggled when Jesus was with them. If you've, read the, if you've read the stories, they struggled when Jesus was with them. So when he died and then came back and then ascended into heaven, they were probably freaking out. Okay, what's going to happen now? Who's going to lead? Uh, we don't have his power or strength. We don't have any guidance. I mean, these 11 guys had spent three years with Jesus. They had been filled with the truth. They had all of the information that they needed. They knew the scriptures. They had even developed their own personal styles and, um, and techniques to do ministry. But they didn't have any power. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Number one, the Holy Spirit is powerful. Now, throughout the book of Acts, there's, uh, there's one major characteristic that can be seen in those who have been filled with the Holy Spirit by the unbelieving world around them. And that was their boldness 
and their courage. In fact, if you read on past the New Testament and past the first century and look at some of the stories from the first Christian martyrs, it was always their boldness, their courage in the face of death that would literally captivate the hearts and the minds of the people around them. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 4, verse 13, Luke writes, When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed. The New King James Version says that they marveled. They marveled and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Boldness in the face of fear and courage even during the threat of death, proclaiming the resurrection in the city streets. And people noticed. People noticed. That's what power looks like. It gives us that deeper level of commitment that we didn't even know that we had. It can turn timid people into bold people, heartless people into compassionate people, foolish people into wise people. Man, listen, listen to this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Paul says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. We just need to learn to lean on that power supply. We need to draw from that endless source of encouragement that we have. And when we do, guess what? The world will notice. It, it, uh, it breaks my heart that there's, that there's Christians out there who have the, the Holy Spirit available to them, to them, but they just, a lot of times, just don't use them. Rarely will they ever call upon him for help. To say something like, Lord, just, you know, please help me today. Please help me overcome my temptation. Please help me to make wise choices or to conquer Satan. He will help you, and he will be there for you. Why? Why? Because he's personal. Because the Holy Spirit is personal. He knows your needs. He knows what's heavy on your hearts. Like Lyle said this morning in in his communion meditation, he knows us better than we know ourselves. He is right there when we're praying carrying our words to the Father in heaven. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, we're we're told that in the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness because we don't know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. The Holy Spirit can convey what's truly on our hearts And take that to the Father. So please rest easy in knowing that. And how can we rest easy in knowing that? It's because he is peaceful. Number three, the Holy Spirit is peaceful. The Holy Spirit provides companionship and comfort. I believe that every single one of us, all of us in this room, and even non-believers, are all seeking peace. Comfort or security. Just look at, uh, 
look at a little kid. Next time, next time you see a little kid and they're getting ready to go to bed or maybe they're going to a sleepover or grandma and grandpa's house, what do they need? They need that one thing that's going to give them that peace and that security. Maybe it's a blanket or a stuffed animal or, uh, you know, when my kids were young, it was a, it was a pacifier. But they get, that, they get that one thing and they feel secure. And we adults, we do the same thing. Maybe not with a blanket or a stuffed animal. Maybe it's our homes or, you know, bank accounts. Maybe it's a relationship. There's nothing wrong with those things. Nothing. But they will fail to bring you true peace. And they can be gone at any time. But not the Holy Spirit. He's right here before us right here inside of us. We have God's spirit and he is our peaceful mediator. He is our peaceful counselor. He gives us that peace and it cannot be taken away by any event or circumstance in this world. He is there with us as we go through life and we await Christ's second promise to be fulfilled, his eventual return. So as I said, today is a special day for us here at the Hilliard Church of Christ. Um, we have five of our Ignite student ministry seniors who are moving on uh, from high school, but also uh, from the student ministry here. They've all, have gotten to know all of them over the past couple years. And uh, it's, the, you know, this, this is gonna be tough, tough to get through, but I'll tell you what, it is times like these it is times like these that I think that we can rejoice and be glad that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and lives inside of them because they are about to go out there and take on the world in ways that they never have before, okay? So we're gonna miss them and we can support them and worry about them, but you know what? They have the Holy Spirit of God inside of them just like Jesus promised. So let's do whatever we can for them as a church, but we have to trust that God's got them. Amen? Take a look at this.